0: This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun.
1: Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello everyone, happy Friday. We are back. We're in the studio and we have much to talk about because there's car release news, there's car debates, there's great questions, and I'm going to start with one that I don't think you're going to you're going to be surprised that I'm starting with, except we didn't talk about it prior. Okay. And that is Lamborghini news.
0: I love it when there's Lamborghini news. I didn't news. think
1: this would stop me, but I stopped in my tracks this morning because we all just scroll mindlessly, don't we? I stopped in my tracks this morning at the Eccentrica Lamborghini resto mod of a Diablo. I know it's a it's it's like talking about Kleenex or Xerox or things that actually are a brand but then become a thing. This is the Singer version of a Diablo. Oh, this is cool. And I have to say that is better looking than anything Lamborghini sells.
0: This is great.
1: And of course, because it's a it's a resto mod Diablo, it's a Singerized Diablo, whatever whatever you want to think about it, it's six speed manual, gated shifter.
0: Oh, look at the interior. And oh, it's it a carbon fiber looks uh, phenomenal. steering shaft. And it's got Atari instrument it, it panel. It relates and- to
1: no one. This is not reality. I'm sure it will be, you know, seven figures and up. But I have to say, even in silver, this is, this is how impressed I was with this car, that <laughs> even in much silver, like I was like, I want to scroll through those photos. This is cool looking.
0: Oh, my gosh. This is excellent. Great find on this one. I, I mean, it begs the question about all these great cars that, Everybody still loves and mm-hmm. the singer recipe, the singer treatment yeah. Yeah, yeah. to any of these. Mm-hmm. There was a Dino done that Chance showed me, done by David Lee, the Ferrari c- collector, and he redid this Dino that was just amazing. Yeah, it made me yeah. want a Dino more than anything. <laughs> You've else. never wanted Dino until right was, now. Uh, I love this. I love seeing that. But it's I'm wondering, crazy. does that mean we can do this with lesser cars at a lesser level? Is it worth that?
1: I mean, this looks really well done, and they're going to actually do an official reveal of it at Goodwood this year, and I'm sure it'll look great. And and based on on the photography and how it looks, it looks like it's really well done. But here's the problem with this whole line of thinking. We've seen this, especially in 4x4s. They did away with the Nissan Z headlights? No, they didn't. Oh. Well, they, they did, but that's not my problem. Oh. My, my, my issue is the fact that what's happening is a lot of companies are getting into this, especially in 4x4s. Yeah, where, I mean, that's where the low fruit, though. Where icon 4x4s is, is the standard, and everybody thinks they're buying an icon, which, like Singer, is the. <laughs> yes. We spared no expense. You're right. Yeah. We redid everything. Everything is as highly done as we can possibly do. And you're getting some people that are making resto mods that instead of costing a half million to a million dollars, they're costing the price of your old barn fine shell plus 50 or 60 grand. And so you're ending up with roughly $100,000 whatever bill. But the problem is, to a project, I've climbed into those at that level and gone, yeah, I wouldn't spend my money
0: here. The issue with doing that at a... Volume level is that these are all hand-built. Anything that exactly. you do it to, it has to be hand-built which in a garage. Which makes it wildly expensive. Which makes them more expensive, and you cannot justify the mm-hmm. dollars for, for uh, bring the price down. Because if you did that with Land Rovers or, mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. at that high level, I, I, I mean, I guess at the uh, desirable level, yeah. but sold them for 60 or 70 you couldn't make money. Well, and that's the thing. But <laughs> people would buy them at that level.
1: But at the lower level, the problem is, in order to make the numbers work, to your point, you can't do them at the high level we're all imagining. No. You can't do them at the singer or icon level. And then you start to wonder, why did I do this? Why did I spend fifty grand on top of my $30,000 old beater truck? And I ended up with something that I should have just spent my money different. You get into an icon or a singer and you go, now, frankly, I look at them and I still kind of think, absurd. But at least I get in them <laughs> and I go, okay, I see where the money went. Yeah, but the these lesser ones are hard. I'll be very curious to see how many of these
0: eccentricas they sell. I'd love to see one in a color, but wow, it looks cool. Well, let's stay with the Italian theme. We just posted the Alfa Romeo Tenale on our our social media. So it was Verde Fangio. Beautiful green (laughs) color. We all agreed that it is the green color the Lotus Amira should have been painted.
1: Yes, it was the brighter green that we really wanted that Amira in. Because the Amira, if you looked at it wrong, it looked black. It should look like there's no doubt that's green. I'm not a green car fan, but the green color in that Tenale was fantastic and it would have looked awesome on the Amira.
0: Got all the looks. But of course, the Dodge Hornet r rt is not out and available to drive yet so mm. we could not compare the two so any questions that you guys may have as far as how does this compare to a thirty thousand dollar less dodge it's, rt well it's not going to be that much less but it's, still. it's
1: not going to be that much different either let's be honest it is a no. dodge Stellantis product with different front and rear fascias i do think the tonale looks interesting though i do think it looks good
0: on facebook jonathan e says will that tonale fall flat due to an unfortunate name mm. well in english it just means tonal Mm. Which pretty is pretty generic and safe, and also how it's
1: probably going to be pronounced by every American car dealer that is selling it. Let me show you the alpha
0: Alfa Romeo tonal or toenail, yeah. which is worse. <laughs> and now you've, you you can't ever like unhear that. Yeah, there you go. He says, "Is the mispronunciation of a name is that going to make it fall flat?" As the uh, you know, no Chevy Novas in Spanish speaking countries. Mm, mm. Is that rumor true? Well, you know, hard to corroborate, but it didn't ever make sense so there's a lot of effort that goes into naming a car painting a car that the color and Mm -hmm, trim people work mm -hmm. very hard and then naming those colors and materials and all that kind of stuff so that you get the interior trim that the marking can say it's like chestnut macadamia oyster lavender interior leather with the what i will not name it's like gray
1: but we have just had two different press cars back to back and one of them was green and they called it Cityscape. Yeah. And we were all like, shouldn't that be a gray? Totally. And then another one showed up, and the paint color was described as, you told me what it was, it was just like plain gray, right? Pure gray. Or pure gray.
0: As if gray is pure.
1: As if you can get gray, but it's not quite
0: pure The whole point of gray is that it's shades of gray. It's not pure black or white. (laughs) You can't call it pure gray because that doesn't exist. Verde Fangio sounds pretty awesome after all that, doesn't it? Yeah. It does and it looks great. So Jonathan, I think it's going to do just fine. I don't know that Alpha has big sales volume number ideas for this They don't have to. As long as the Hornet balances it out, it'll be fine. Exactly right. But it is truly built in Italy and I we, we did like it. There's a test drive coming on that, and it was actually cool to see more alpha products being introduced into the mm-hmm. US and, uh, of course, worldwide too. But I think it looks better than the Dodge Hornet. And that is,
1: alone means it will sell better than the Hornet. It I is think. good looking. But the, but the Hornet has that kind of muscular, kind of oh, America look to it, which it should because it it's the kind Dodge of does. product. I but I it do does. think the
0: Tonale looks great. Sticking with the alpha theme, we have also been uh, seeing the rumors that you guys have heard mm-hmm. about. A potential supercar from Alpha named the Six C, which is very interesting. But the biggest thing that interested me the most is that it could be built on top of a Maserati MC20. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it once they kinds of once they sense. dropped that,
1: I kept wondering: Is there an Alpha version coming? Because oh, you know that's a six-cylinder. Yes. Alpha doesn't have a, a, a supercar right now. It just makes sense to amortize that out. We just talked about the Tonale versus the Hornet. You've got to take these bespoke chassis and make other uses for them. So I think it makes sense. They've already had an eight C and a four C. This six is a six C cylinder. With
0: the Nettuno engine, mm-hmm. the six the
1: twin turbo six. I think that would be awesome. And yes it stands to, that. to reason that it should be we'll see, it should be more attractive than the M C twenty, which is a quite attractive car.
0: I like it a lot. I would park one in the garage. I know you would. I will pull the pickle fork license tag back out of retirement. That will go on the car. I got laughs with that license tag. People would. I could see people in my rearview mirror sort of mouth the word and be like, "What is that?" And then it slowly dawns on them that. They're looking at a Maserati. What I would like more Hello. than anything
1: is for you to have that license plate on there and be wearing your Pickle Fork Miserati T-shirt. Miserati, yeah. That is one of, <laughs> one of my favorite shirts we've ever done, the Miserati shirt. And What's funny is walking around in that shirt, in, I actually kind of stopped wearing it out to run errands because in Park City they just think, oh, guy just walked in with his Maserati shirt. I didn't really You (laughs) look and you'll see, I have a sense of humor. I'm not just guy in a Maserati shirt. Like I own a Maserati. I don't. (laughs) And the shirt's kind of funny. I mean,
0: I I used to, it kind of died, finally died. (laughs) (laughs) Last piece of news that we've seen here is the last Ford Fiesta will be produced after 47 years in production. Mm. And you know, car names come and go and car manufacturers like to resurrect it. Now with, hybrid version or yeah, the Fiesta you know, the, EV, the is probably EV coming, or something. Yeah. But that just means the one that we really loved that mm-hmm. came out in the U.S. that was just so great. We love so that We wish we'd gotten the and next one. And then the next generation after that that we, we never got and would really yeah. wanted to have here. I think that would have... I think there was justification for Ford to keep selling that here, mm. knowing that this end was coming soon. You didn't need to just... It's not been yeah. five, six years, really. So they could have kept it going. But unfortunately, that just means these small, chuckable front-wheel drive cars are... No longer from Ford. They continue dying because, of of course, the world only buys crossovers. Crossovers that are EVs and battery that's four inches thick, and it's in the floor, and it's perfect weight distribution. They all drive the same. And a crossover that is essentially a hatchback on a
1: couple-inch lift. Great.
0: it's car wash season always wash your car in a cool shady spot and use griot's garage brilliant finish foaming sprayer with snow foam griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer as well you can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash induced scratches these are the safest ways to wash your ride If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com.
1: We're cynical today, maybe more than normal, <laughs> but we're going to get through it anyway. It's going to be really a lot of fun. We've got Brandon writing in. I love this title. He says, Am I Being Ridiculous? And I love this because the, the whole premise of this show at Everyday Driver is we want you to love what you drive. Yes. And yes. the whole reason you guys ride in with these car debates, and we like doing it so much, is talking about trying to get you into something that you love. And so many of us end up shopping around for the perfect thing. I bought the one thing. This is the car that does it all. It's going to be amazing. And then... As life fractures and there's the part of you that wants to drive really hard and fast and maybe be on mm. track, and then there's the part of me that needs to take a four day road trip with four kids and a dog, you realize <laughs> this isn't all gonna work
0: Gosh. with the same vehicle. <laughs> this is where Brandon is. Yeah. Well, we will not recommend an alpha tonale. I don't think that's we will where not. you're that's, at. That's Brandon. true. Yes. His ideal car is one set up for the fun of back roads while being able to easily do a five hundred mile or more road trip without requiring a visit to the chiropractor. So you're looking for a GT car that handles really well mm-hmm. or a sports car that's great for long road trips. When yes. we talk about sports cars, they're they're usually great for that thing. Sure. But you don't sure. want to spend five hundred miles in the car. That's mm-hmm. you know it gets a little questionable and you're questioning your choices and you're wondering how in your life, what sequences of events mm-hmm. in your life led to this being uncomfortable in your life? Like how did I get here?
1: I love my Lotus Elise. I've taken a lot of road trips in it. We're going to do more this year. I'll be in the Lotus Elise Possibly suffering while Paul's in the C8 with cooled seats. He's going to call me right now and be like, these seats really <laughs> I'll cool. i call you every
0: five minutes. Yeah, you will. Anyway, I'm still comfortable. But
1: I, you know, here's the thing I've done a lot of road trips in that car and I love driving it in actually all conditions except for stop and go traffic. But I will say, 250, 300 miles, I'm good. I'm good. That's 500 a lot. to 700, those are long days. So he wants to have that be a situation. But here's where this gets interesting though, because he thinks he may have found the right car. But where I find this is fascinating is the car that Brandon currently owns is a 2022 G80 M3 manual. That is the Beaver Teeth four-door M3 in manual. And you would think, and Brandon thought, if I have this car, I've got everything. I've got everything I need to do. It's my family vehicle. It's perfect for kids. If I want to drive hard, it's awesome. It's got manual transmission. It's everything. But you noticed, Brandon did write us <laughs> That's true. As soon as you start thinking about it, you're right. That sounds like the ideal recipe. You're a dad, you like to drive hard, you want naturally aspirated high-revving manual, great steering feel, you want to be able to take a 500-mile road trip, you've got kids, what four doors be good? Brandon, why don't you get
0: yourself a 20 to- Oh, you already have one. <laughs> Wait.
1: Medium something. T- he has there.
0: that already. Yes. Mm-hmm. As part of his preferences, he says that he wants a quote cat on velcro kind of handling. Okay. Or room to mod it to feel sure. like a cat on Velcro. And I'd like to pause for a moment and say that the cat will hate you even more than it usually does if it's standing on Velcro. The cat just hates you because it's a cat.
1: You've heard the the difference between dog and cat, the base dog and cat difference joke, right? Okay, go. The headspace joke. The headspace joke is this. The dog is like, they feed me, they shelter me, they take care of me, that person must be God. The cat goes, they feed me, they shelter me, they must take care of me i must be god (laughs) that's the core difference right there (laughs)
0: exactly well he recently rediscovered the last generation of the m roadster and coupe the s54 powered hydraulic steering manual minimal interior (gasps) cheaper open top motoring love it he says rear wheel drive short wheelbase and decent power and space for the road so here's his dilemma and this is why he's asking Mm -hmm. if he's crazy is he being ridiculous by considering a trade or sale of his beloved m3 manual to acquire an old m car and a separate car other than his suv or truck for dad and husband duty technically he says this m3 is the poster child it Mm -hmm. doubles as the dad mobile as Uh you said sure he says but uh the idea of this last iteration of the naturally aspirated bmw inline six with a manual transmission and a hydraulic steering, you, you're you're being he's, an idealist he's here. He's down the Brandon. road to
1: the M Roadster right there, yeah.
0: He says, mm-hmm. in that small car in the back roads of Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina, it is gnawing at him. Additional info. He says he drives his cars and has no in issues with mileage. His M3 that he bought with 20 miles on it, brand new, at this point, he bought it in November 2021. And as of okay. this recording... It has over 56,000 miles on it. So you drive. That's awesome. I love it. He says this is not an attempt to save the car. It's more like getting a dedicated sports car that does sports car things while having a family hauler for that task. So if not the M twins, the coupe and the roadster, then what? He writes the 986 and 987 variants do not scare him. But he says he did have an IMS bearing failure with his 07 <sighs> C2S. He said it was heartbreaking, but he did have a warranty. Oof. He's leery of them. Okay. He says, yes, those, uh, those did have the same problem. So we'd like to stay under or around the cost of a used M Roadster, considering anything that is a two-seater will require another car as well. But it seems that later E46 M3s and S54 powered Z3 coupes and roadsters have gone up in value. So the Z4 variants are mm-hmm. still cheap. Mm-hmm. He might be blowing up his budget, It's he writes, but what are, are our thoughts on that platform in general?
1: I, this is fascinating, Brandon, because what you've done here, and, and I know you've obviously listened to the podcast for a while, but you've absolutely described tools for jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you bought the, the one car and it does here it thing. It does do everything you're talking about. It's the perfect dad car. It's the perfect road trip car. If you want to take it on a back road or track it, you can. But you realize why while, while it does all of those things, you'd like something more focused when you want to drive hard, and you'd like something a little bit less focused when you want to just drive family around. And this is why we all end up with more than one car in our garage. This is why the problem happens where we go. Hmm, how do I store cars? Do I need a barn? <laughs>
0: I should build a barn.
1: Can I be Jay Leno? I
0: should talk to my HOA. This
1: is why this happens because we realize just like, and I've used this, this example before, and obviously they aren't the same price, but this is the shoe analogy. You don't have one pair of shoes because you have different tasks. You can wear one pair of shoes, and I'm the guy that gets close. You can wear one pair of shoes out for a nice dinner and on a hike, but you probably shouldn't, <laughs> and your feet would appreciate it, and so would everyone you're with that you actually picked the right shoe. So you're going to buy tools for jobs, and you know what? It's funny that you landed on the Z4 because, of course, I owned one. Yeah, And you I loved thought it, it was great, yeah. and the problem that I had with it was it had electronic steering, electronic power steering, first-gen BMW electronic power steering, but the M Roadsters don't. You pay more for that. You do pay more for that. And you're right. The E46 M3s are skyrocketing up in value. And even the ones that are nice have lurking things in them. They're either so nice you won't ever drive it, or it's been driven and you bought it and it's going to need. Here comes the list. We really like the Z3s as well. We drove that in our $8,000 car piece, and we've driven them a lot. We really, really like those. I do think the Z4 is a fantastic option here. I love this whole idea, honestly, and I think you have found that random car that, for whatever reason,
0: hasn't yet spiked. Brandon's fun car history includes a 97 E36 M3, 74,000 miles in roughly two years. Wow, you do drive your cars. Mm -hmm, He does, big time. 2012 Boss 302, 23,000 miles in just over two years. The aforementioned 2007 911 C2S, 80,000 miles in just under four years and six months of that time waiting for an engine replacement. Wow! And he says those 3.8 engines had that issue, like I mentioned. Yep. He had a 2016 Macan S with 12,000 in 10 months, and a 2019 GTI at 23,000 miles in roughly two years. And then he had 85 Honda Prelude, he had Toyota Tercel, I haven't said the word Tercel in probably a decade. Well, and also there's a 92 Isuzu on here. We don't ever say Isuzu
1: either. (laughs) I'm amazed I can still pronounce Isuzu, yeah. (laughs)
0: That's a foreign word. Seriously. Uh, GMC Sierra, Honda Accord, a couple of Audis. What do we think for Brandon? I mean, you're right. I, I love your idea. Mm-hmm. I, I actually approve, Brandon, mm-hmm. because you can get max dollars still for your car right now. I mean, yeah, you things can. are changing slowly with the car market. It's, it's pretty scattered right now. Mm-hmm. People say it's still high. Other people say it's starting to come down. It's, it depends on the car, too. It depends on the car, but it's very scattered right yeah. now. Yeah. And so I do think you could get still good money for it. But I love that you had this car or you have it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you held it up on a pedestal and I have it and I still want something else. Well, and he's realized what he actually likes. This is
1: this is one of the things, Brandon, we've talked about it before. But it's one of the things that I actually really like is that as people get cars they really love or cars to your point, Paul, that you put up on a pedestal as this is the ultimate. What I like about that is once we actually get that life experience regularly, It starts to refine in each of us the things we're actually looking for, Mm -hmm. and they may not be where we expected to go.
0: I mean, you haven't had that very long, but whatever we decide for you and whatever car you choose to get next, whether it's one of our choices or that M roadster that will also leave your life at some point. Sure. There's potential for that to be held up Mm -hmm. on a pedestal. And then you think, well, it did scratch the itch. I liked it for a time and huh. I guess I'm still looking Mm -hmm. and maybe it satisfies that time in your life. And whether that's a year, whether that's 10 years, whether that's more, some, there are some cars that turn into lifelong cars, Mm -hmm. certainly, but that time in your life, I think since you wrote to us, you're acknowledging it and Mm -hmm. you, you want to get something that really fulfills that, that desire. And I'm glad that you can. And so I do approve. I looked at 1998 to 2002 M Roadsters and found a wide range from 27,000 to 60,000, which gives you an average of 43,500. dollars So well, that's my budget, and I'm, I'm acknowledging the Z Force 2 because I found those for like 40,50 somewhere in there too.
1: Well, and I've found some some of this stuff at around 25 to 30. So I mean, we've got probably a 25 to 30,000 budget is my guesstimate, but I'm, certainly you can find really nice ones that are much higher.
0: I'm bumping that up because there's choices That's that fine. I want Brandon to consider. I love it. I've got good stuff too. What you mentioned, this—I still am amused by this cat-on-velcro kind of handling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Toyota GR86s are all of that, mm. but they're not the best long-distance cruisers. They're, they don't turn into GT cars magically. That's true. It's true. The one car that does—that first-generation Acura NSX—are not in your budget. They're not.
1: They have gone away. But that is yes. the
0: magic sweet spot. That's why mm. they're so good. Mm. Just putting that in the back of your mind, along with C7 Corvettes, Mazda RX-7s, Toyota Supras, mm. Mm. uh, like the A80. Yeah, yeah. And the Nissan Z, the new Nissan Z. Okay. I feel like okay. it airs to the, the GT car road trip thing. It will do that better than yes. the yes. get after the Canyon Road and be nimble and lightweight. And mm. so only you can answer that question. But I do think you should go look at the mm. Nissan Z. Mm. But my choice for you is the GR Supra, the new one. Hmm. Manual transmission, at least 300 horsepower, yeah. That's really good. I like that car so much. And it's a BMW engine, good news. Whatever variant you get, (laughs) you get that BMW goodness. It's sort of like the modern version because we can go M Roadster. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's a bit of preciousness that's going to creep in depending on how much you pay. If you pay very little, you're going to go thrash it. But mm. if you go thrash it, mm. it's going to need stuff. Mm-hmm. Not that new ones or newer ones won't. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. this, these are generalities. But if you get that GR Supra, you're going to spend a little bit more. But I think you will really appreciate that because it does turn into a GT car for road trips. Mm-hmm. It does do the long distance thing very nicely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then on a canyon road, like you're talking about, on a twisty road, whew, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's Lots very good. to be discovered because Cayman Wheelbase.
1: <laughs> you just love coming back to that. Always. It's very funny. It's that's very my good. choice. Okay, that's excellent. Brandon, I really like where you started here. I really like the M4 Roadster and Coupe in either Z3 or Z4 form. You're right. Depending upon the variant, the Z3 is sometimes more expensive than the Z4. Again, I'm finding some of these for less than 30 grand. So I'm just going to assume you're operating with around 30 grand. You might have more, to Paul's point. And selling that BMW is going to give you options. By the way, I'm going to also give you a potential option for your next dad car. We're not really talking about that. We're talking about the fun car. Oh, okay. And you've said maybe SUV or truck. I think I can solve your dad car as well. Oh. I think theoretically, I can have you sell your M- M3 and maybe. Get both the cars I'm talking about for the money you get out of your M3. Maybe. It's going to depend on how well you shop. You're kidding me. Wow. Because what's that M3 going to be worth? 80? A lot. 70 or 80? Probably. So, anyway, so here's the thing I like the Z3 or Z4. I prefer the Z4 because it is a nicer interior and it is a slightly larger car, and I am a big guy. If you were just talking about driving fun, however, you could argue that the Z3 version is the better car. Mm. I think the Z4 is the better long distance car. And when you get the M version, you don't get the electronic power steering, so you're going to love it on a back road. I really, really liked mine. I was pleasantly surprised by it. So I think that, that Z4 is good. I like it. However, I'm going to give you drive homework because I'm kind of assuming, Brandon, you may just wind up with the Z4. You kind of feel like you're leaning that way. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. We both are going to back your play on that. However, sure. yep. before you buy one, There are three cars you must drive because I thought, you know what? You want naturally aspirated, ideally high revving, manual, great steering feel, good handling, awesome sound, smile inducing. You like convertibles. You must drive the Boxster again. Think so? He mentioned Because your budget does allow you to get 2009 or up, which is post-IMS bearing. There are
0: cars that don't have the IMS bearing. So so
1: look at one of those and drive it and see what you think. I'm not saying buy. I'm just saying you need to drive it for reference. Everybody's going to see it coming, but you have to drive it. Please go drive as much MX-5 as you can afford. You have to drive a Miata. You're talking about naturally aspirated manual transmission handling and a fun convertible. I don't think it's the car for you, Brandon, but I want you to put the reference point in your repertoire.
0: People do the road trip thing with the ND, mm -hmm. especially the... ...the rf version mm-hmm. you can it the suspension soft enough the it's just, hard top works you, well you too. certainly can yeah. it's just i i don't know i think there's better gt kinds of i agree i think th- it struggles there a
1: component here of his needs i think it struggles there. there i totally agree with you the other one you need to drive that i think may fall into this same category paul's just brought up with the the mx5 but it checks every other box but road tripping and that is really go drive an s2000 You think? A second gen, an AP2 S2000. Now, is that a great road trip car? No, it's not where it shines. But it is a Honda. Yeah. It's got a great six-speed. And at the time, it was actually significantly more luxurious than the Miata of the same era. I think it is comparatively luxurious to the Z3 BMW, possibly even the Z4. So if you're talking about actually doing road trips in any of these cars... The S2000 should at least be driven. It, 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 like the MX-5 is a reference point car I think you must drive. Out of one of those convertibles, I think you'll find your answer. And then you're left with the dilemma of, I'd like a dad car. <laughs> but you're coming out of the M3. So my concern for you is you're going to have this fun little convertible whatever, and then you're going to get in something that's just suffer-fest. It's just, i got to drive this now because i got to drive the kids around. And I used to have this cool M3 four-door. What am I going to do? You're going to buy the non big boy Alpha Julia, not the quadrifolio. Okay, because so like a TI, I yeah. guess. Or yeah. Get, get get the TI the Sport. Yeah. With the yeah. limited slip differential, because that eight speed. Uh, gearbox, you're not in a manual anymore, but who cares? Okay. You have the manual car, right? Right. Some of the best turn in of any four door sedan out there, any
0: car, actually, you're going to have room
1: that's going to be similar to your M3. You're going to have a style that is better than your M3. You still have the really cool looking dad four door. You didn't have to wind up in an SUV or a truck, but you can get it for 25 grand it's not. It's not an M3 in power. It's got 250 horsepower with a turbo. Even though I always think those cars feel more powerful than the numbers suggest, they're geared well though. They, they are. They, they kind they, of they Actually, they yeah. they move surprisingly well. But you end up with a really good four door that you can feel proud of when you're driving that, and then you can get your little fun
0: roadster. Okay, Brandon, I totally lied. We did suggest an Alpha for you, but it wasn't a <laughs> Tonali, at least. <laughs> it wasn't a Tonali. <laughs> and yeah. I admit, your email, Brandon, got me going to look at our friend's website, Enthusiast Auto Group, where they have all the best... All of the best of BMWs. The best The BMWs. really expensive ones, yeah. And I mm-hmm. found the Z3 shoe M version, that M coupe. Oh, in Estoril Blue, mm-hmm. for the one you want, fifty thousand dollars, and it's perfect. Thirty-seven thousand miles. It's they're per- all perfect. Perfect. I want it. This is where our friend Matt
1: uh, Farah got the world's nicest D forty-six. He got it from Enthusiast Auto. He got just, the perfect one, and then he realized
0: <laughs> this is so perfect I can't drive it, just which is a problem. It. Yeah, it's so good looking. But again, it was forty-nine thousand and change, and I don't know if you want to push that far. But it is nice. It's, mm-hmm. it's there. It you nice. could go check it out, and they've got a lot of good stuff. If you got an email like Brandon's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armor All, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armor All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mike is in Northeast Ohio and decided he is maturing out of his WRX. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right.
1: All right. Based on what? Because this is the thing. There was a while back, we actually did a car debate. Did they debate.
0: ask you at the dealership? Like, Seriously.
1: How old are you, sir? We did a car debate for a guy that was a lawyer. And he really, really wanted a Fiesta ST, and he was like 40. And he really, really wanted a Fiesta ST, and he was like, am I too old, and do I have the wrong job for Fiesta ST? And we got a a total cheerleader email from a guy in his 70s that drove an orange Fiesta ST, and it was like, what are you talking about too old? Yeah. So, Mike, yeah. I... Here's the thing. If you feel like the WRX is not you anymore, I totally get that. But I also want to say, if you still like it and you just feel like it's chatter around you, it's just chatter
0: for, why does Mike drive the WRX? Shouldn't he have something else? Who cares? (laughs) Exactly. Drive what you want. Well, he is 37. Mike owns a 2011 WRX hatchback. It was perfect for him when he bought it in 2016, but now that he's getting older, you're so old, Mike. You're so old, man. It seems a bit too kid-like for a guy approaching 40. Plus, the speed of rust makes him long <laughs> for his old B5. Now, now, now that
1: is a reason to get rid of the WX. <laughs> that's the reason. Not there age. it is. Yep.
0: Since he no longer needs to haul around a drum set, he doesn't need the cargo space. He works from home, doesn't need a car in the winter is because he, they also, he and his family, also have a newer, newer Forester in the garage that's got uh, winter duty covered and all the hauling duties. So he is looking for something very small, two-door mm. coupe, rear-wheel drive, and manual, as close to 300 horsepower as possible. He considered a V6 or a V8 swapped Miata, but he'd like something a little nicer than those typically end up. Sure, I get that. Understand. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want an ongoing project like swaps usually are. Not Mm -hmm. usually, (laughs) all of them. (laughs) All. Every project,
1: I don't think there has ever been a moment in history when somebody's project car was like, that didn't take nearly as long as I thought it would.
0: (laughs) And I'm totally done. And 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 nothing more. And
1: I don't, and and you know what? It was even cheaper. Yeah. It was was even cheaper. It
0: cost less. It didn't take half the time I thought it would. (laughs) And I'll never need to do another thing to it. Never happened. Yeah. (laughs) He also sunburns very easily. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. He says a convertible isn't super useful in their climate. So is there anything that fits his wants Mm. better than a BMW 135i? Hmm. Okay. It's small, it's got good power, rear-wheel drive, and it's German. Mm -hmm. And, you know, BMW is known for their handling. Yep. Yes, they are. He lives within reasonable distance to some glorious southeast Ohio roads. We've been there. We like them. Yep. And enjoys weekend driving vacations. He says it's not LA Canyon carving, but it's as close as you can get. I'm guessing you're referring to the Hocking Hills area. Probably. In, but, uh, in Ohio. But, we, ju- but we there's like
1: lots of stuff in Ohio that is kind of hidden around that we haven't driven. In That's I, true. And I keep we, hearing we just people did People pop yeah. up with, have you driven this road? And the truth is a lot of them we haven't, but there's a lot of
0: stuff hiding in there for sure. He writes, it can be a nice car when he wants to feel, you know, fancy going out for dinner or something like that. Yeah, sure. It's still BMW. And he says it's certainly better than the boy racer, his mostly stock WRX look has from the factory.
1: I do agree. If you park a BMW 1 Series and a WRX out in front of a nice restaurant, one of those cars looks like it belongs there.
0: I'm wondering, Mike, can you stretch for an M2?
1: Great question. Can first generation. First gen. very, very first couple of years of the yeah. before they went competition and changed the engine. Yes. Those aren't that pricey comparatively.
0: If it, you're yeah. looking at a 135i, can you get the M2 because that mm-hmm. is suddenly the next level. That says ooh. Haha, you're yeah. you're serious. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about matching ages and matching status in sure, life and sure, what, okay. what yeah. that image the image that that gives off that does kind of fit better, I feel like, a little bit yeah. better. But my other choice for you is the GR Supra again. Interesting. Okay. Can you can you get oh, the uh the four uh, four cylinders not a manual? Shoot, you'd have to go uh, you'd have to go six cylinder for the manual. Yep. But if you stretched, that is also delightful. The issue that I have with any choice that we give you here is where you say uh, you don't need to drive very much. Your your all your winter duties. You're probably taking the Forester, and so Mm -hmm, what I'm worried mm -hmm. about here is whatever you get is kind of it's gonna sit, Mm, mm. and that kind of sucks. I I mean, (laughs) you're right. I don't want it to sit. I Uh mean, I know weather and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm wondering if uh, I mean your your WRX is kind of perfect for that because you can put winners on it and go bombing around even in the in the muck even in bad weather. But I do like the idea of stepping up a little bit and. Doing something different. I, okay. I'm in love with the M2 ID. It's hard for me to get away from that for you because it still yeah. is a very usable car. And it's get, still going to do the kinds of things you're used to in your WRX. Mm, mm. Even though your WRX is probably four-door. So, you know, I, I like that it's got a real trunk. It's a real car. It's usable. So can it can it sit as little as possible? Can you get all weathers for it?
1: Mm. I like it. M2. Like it. I'm
0: settling on M2 for you. Okay. I
1: got a couple thoughts here. And I think one of the things I think is interesting is you got really close to the perfect variant of that one series. Now, you can't do a 1M. Those are going up in price. And that's the car I would love for you I to mean, have. a 1M would be awesome. They're amazing. Yeah. They're fantastic. And they're, but, but here's <laughs> Again, the thing. with
0: Enthusiast Auto Group. But, but, they, they can sell But
1: one. the 1M would be more expensive than that early M2. That's mm. what's crazy. Because that 1M is a really fantastic car. But yeah. you know what also exists? Mike, you could get a
0: 135i S. The IS is a that rare car. That little
1: extra letter, they're out there. It's And here's the thing. They are kind of unknown. So the prices are kind of similar to the standard 135 eyes. The difficulty is finding one in decent spec that somebody wants to part with. It is the almost 1M. It's like 80% of a 1M for half the cost. Okay? So... If you could find a 135 IS, I think that is excellent. There's nothing wrong with the 135. Please don't get me wrong. I think that would be a perfectly good choice for what you're dealing in. But I'm guessing based on what I'm finding online, you're probably in the world of around 25 grand. Now that 135 IS you find might be a little bit more, but let's say for 25 to 30 grand, there's a couple other things to think about. You could, if you wanted not spend that much, you could drive the last year or two of the GT86 or first gen BRZ when they got the nice suspension, when they got the slight interior upgrades. Mm. You could stretch into the early 30s and you'd get a, a new current updated GR86 or BRZ. Mm-hmm. Those are out there too. But for 135i money, you could get a late version of the first gen of the 86. Now, I will also argue, is that car mature enough? I don't know. It depends on how you make it look. Because a lot of the ones you see... They're slammed and the yeah, wheels are slanted yeah. and they've got a lot of canards that they don't need and a weird wing out back and
0: things that, you know. You'll get laughed out of the Here's track, all the stickers. Like, That's how a lot yeah. of them end
1: up. But if you could find one that is just in classy spec, those are really good-looking cars. In fact, in some ways, I I, the, I like the styling of the first-gen better because it's so unique. I love the way the second-gen looks, but it starts to look kind of like other things. The first-gen 86 looks like nothing else. So at least drive one of those. Now... It's not going to be as classy as the 135i, and it isn't going to be as powerful either. Mm -hmm. So those are definitely considerations. I'm going to bring up two others, though, that you really, if you're talking 25 grand or so, maybe 30, you could get a late C6 Corvette, maybe even a Grand Sport. Ooh. You've talked about how it'd be interesting to have something with power. It's close to 300 horsepower. We've blown past 300 horsepower (laughs) now. Get a Grand (laughs) Sport C6 Mm -hmm. Corvette. That is a classy car. That cleans up really well. That's got good handling. Why
0: not? I like that. So there's one out
1: there. And then also, I can't ignore it. An early Porsche Cayman is this money, too.
0: You know, I was trying. Trying to make a 911 work in this situation.
1: See, I I don't think so. Because I think the 911 he'd find for his budget of roughly 25 to 30 is going to have too many miles and be a little bit too questionable on how is this going to run. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's not. But 25 to 30 for an early Cayman or Cayman S, get the IMS bearing done. But here's the thing. Of all the cars we've talked about, which one cleans up nicest to go for a big long road trip or sit outside a fancy restaurant? It's the Porsche.
0: It is. I'd like to throw out a wild card Please. and I'm throwing out on a Hyundai Elantra in, I'm throwing it out there and, and, and I'm not okay because I, you know, obviously front wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But when we were driving that, all I could keep thinking about was this has the precision of BMW handling. Yeah. 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 This feels like a BMW totally. to me. Yeah. It doesn't have the the most road feel. What you get of when anything, you hire the BMW guy. <laughs> you you did. They hire BMW people and, and. The end division is, yep. is amazing. It's front-wheel drive, and so that steering feel isn't like a rear-wheel drive car. But it's surprisingly good, mm-hmm. and you can get it with manual. And it is sort of the next classy step up. You see that, and you think, ooh, kind of... It, it has that look of being more expensive than it looks. Yes, it has I'm that waiting perception. for the redesign, but yes. <laughs> I mean, I like it. The redesign is actually great, but I it still like the, yeah. the original. But it, can you just drive one just to color me wrong here okay no i, I like the reference point I'm though i'm trying for sure. to get you something that you would drive all the time that wouldn't remain parked that
1: is the key thing mike it, to, to everything paul is saying that the key thing here is whatever you drive it can't be too special to be driven You've got maybe to maybe that's drive a bad maybe
0: it. it's mean, a bad idea.
1: But I, I do I do like this range of stuff we're giving you, and hopefully you can find something genuinely fun. And I do like that you have that Forester to lean on should things get really nasty. But more than anything, what is the, ask yourself this question: What is the car that when you spend money on it, you're just gonna be like, Yeah, I'm gonna drive it all the time? Not that <laughs> I, not <laughs> that I stretched yeah, to right. barely get it, and now I got to worry about. But it's raining. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not made no, of sugar. No, 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 you must drive it. Speaking of the Forester, we're going to start right here with questions off of Instagram. Shadow Sniper says his uh, his Minister of Finance candidate. That's good. <laughs> candidate currently running for office. Okay, yes. Anyway, she loves the Subaru Wilderness Forester. What are our thoughts? Any potential alts? I am going to say why Forester over Outback or why Forester over Crosstrek? Is there a reason Forester? Mm-hmm. Because the Outback, look, we, we, we throw a lot of... Uh, We don't like it very much. Why is that in our way again in white or gray? Subaru Outback commentary that we we are not fans. However, I will say this. It is alone in the marketplace of doing what it does really, really well. This is the only wagon being sold in America that they can't make fast enough. Mm. The Subaru Outback does everything it does really, really well with a ton of space, and it's great for that. Okay? Okay. So I think I do ask about both the Forester and then, and then the Crosstrek in sport trim is just that little, slightly smaller, worthwhile reality that I like. And then getting away from Subaru, please drive the Mazda CX-50
0: as a Forester Alt. Okay, okay, I see that. H2O.ST.44 asks if it seems odd to us that Mazda has developed a new engine, their inline-six, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so far, only put it in one model. That doesn't seem like smart business planning. No, if it's only going in one model, but we have yet to see their entire business plan. It's going to go somewhere else. You know it is. The uh, the powers that be at any car company cannot justify to their stakeholders the the tooling investment and engineering development to. The the cost of designing and developing and building a single engine is so high. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. cannot get that approval done without coming up with a long-term future business plan of here's all the different kinds of things we're going to use it in. Mm. You know it's going to be used in a lot of different SUVs. They're going to have to. But to do that in inline six, gosh, what other car companies are using an inline six, say with a 48 volt starter generator (laughs) to power their seven seat SUV? Good point. Good point, yeah. So I see that as not just in a sedan, but in future, people are going to keep buying giant SUVs and Mm -hmm. Mazda's only got a toe in the pool as far as their offerings for large SUVs with their new CX-90. They've really done kind of mid-size SUVs forever. Mm -hmm. But now with a larger engine and having the power and being able to pair it with various hybrid elements to make it power larger and larger things, that's where I see that engine going because you're Mm -hmm. not going to stuff that in their next Miata isn't going to have that engine. No, it just what's isn't. the
1: car above the Miata? I really want that. Maybe there's a GT nose, GT car. Sure. Miata would be so
0: cool there. I could see it in, but you can see variants of that inline six and you can still use the same block and heads to mm-hmm. do various power outputs and then do forced inju- induction or some sort of hybrid add on powertrain. There's a lot of great variants and, BMW and Mercedes still have great ones. They're still doing a lot of inline sixes. Many car companies are doing that. So I see this as just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. because to to develop that engine now in this day and age, oh, you, you got to have a plan to make money with that thing.
1: Completely defending your point there. And that is the fact this is the reason Toyota didn't make one for the Super and went to BMW because the cost of making the engine for just that car was too high. And they went, Who's got inline sixes? (laughs) And BMW's just got like a wall of them. (laughs) They're ready to give you engines. So that's why that (laughs) happened. On Instagram, uh, Falcon Potch says uh, he recently paid off his 2016 BRZ, so first gen 86 platform. Ah, Nice. In our opinion, Would the second gen be worth the trade-in and new car payment? He said he doesn't have really any complaints about his current car, but he's at the point when parts are needing to be replaced because he's been driving it for a while, and he's looking to upgrade some things, maybe suspensions next. Hmm. Okay, there's two ways to answer this. The first way I'm going to say is you just paid off your car and you love it. Why get another car payment? That's the the nice, mature answer. However... (laughs)
0: We're not mature here.
1: Falcon, you're not being mature because you're talking about replacing parts and starting to upgrade stuff and playing with the suspension. So my suspicion is you will probably spend in the next year as much as the extra car payment you would have if you traded it in for a second gen. The second gen is an improvement on the first gen, I would say, and I've said it to many people. I think they, have. we've even said it on camera, they didn't screw up anything of the first gen. They didn't screw up anything that worked. They fixed mm. the stuff that was lacking. Now, there's conversations about that engine. There's conversation about that engine on track, and we know that is ongoing. But you're talking about having it as your car. We had it as our car. We even tracked it and <laughs> ran it in the winter and everything for 13,000 miles, and it was glorious. That second gen is a fantastic improvement. And I'm thinking, okay, so that 2016 is probably worth half, maybe two-thirds of what a new one costs. Are you telling me that what you're going to replace and suspension and playing around on your BRZ wouldn't be the offset of the payment of a new
0: one? (laughs) This is new math over here. I'm having fun, though. Everyday driver. Matt Garrett, 82, says, celebrating Porsche's 75 years, here's a track daily crush for me. Pick one model to have only been produced for one year. Okay. Pick one model to keep producing until the end of time. And pick one model to never have existed. Ooh. I've been sitting here mulling this question. Okay, I'm excited to hear. The one model year already does exist, and that is the 2011 GT3 RS40. It was only in 2011 for one. Solved that model. Good job. Yeah. One model to keep producing until the end of time. Well, that's got to be the 911. But then when we get to the question about one model to have never existed, I cannot say something like the 356 because the 356 spawned the 911.
1: Mm, so therefore,
0: know. we wouldn't have the other two choices that I just chose. Interesting. Okay. It has to be something completely different. And I could choose maybe an SUV or a four-door. But on the other hand, those make enough money to support the 911. <laughs> that gets hard, doesn't it? So yeah. therefore, I, I cannot choose those. Anybody else here in okay. The Princess Bride? Uh-huh. So the car I'm choosing has to be. (laughs) Wait till I get going. I haven't even started yet. (laughs) The car that it has to be must be completely outside the realm of kind of what they Mm. did. And it has to be a a short window of time. I'm wondering if you're going to pick one that I'm thinking of. It's the transaxle era. Oh, okay. And it is the 924 as much as. 924s are cool, sure, but I do like the 944 and, of course, the 928 a lot better. You dodged a bullet well there. I'm impressed. But that kind of spawned the 944 and the 928 in in a weird way because that was an Audi project. It's my understanding that was original an Audi project Mm -hmm. that became it it wasn't going anywhere. So Porsche took it over. That's the short story and then spawned that and then spawned the Mm. 928. So that does mean it pokes a hole in my 928 love over here. I mean, I cannot say the 914 because the 914 begets the Cayman. <laughs>
1: you see the problem. I do see the problem. You know, the one I thought you were going to say, once you actually created your thinking, I thought you were going to say 918 Spider. Because while I as suppose. cool as it is, that is one you could completely lift out of the lineup and not really affect anything. But it is really cool, though.
0: But it is really cool.
1: The 924 feels like, that. yeah, we could do without that. I do see that. It does
0: feel like that. Okay, mm. maybe maybe the Carrera GT. But a V10 from Porsche. The Carrera GT
1: is such a special car. It's, it's iconic yeah. for so many mm-hmm. good and bad reasons. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Even kind of harkens back to F1, and, and yeah, for of, sure it does. Yeah, you know, has a connection there. But uh, this is this is tougher than it seems <laughs> at first glance because we've got to have the money to keep the yeah, I keep the nine eleven going over here, Yeah, right? for
1: sure. Joe Fisher on Facebook is has another track daily crush. This is the Honda edition, the current generation Civic Type R. The NSX and the S2000. This is Track Daily Crush Honda Edition. Now, here's my question. Which gen NSX are we talking? We're going to have to pick one because I don't really know. Uh, But How about uh, we go for the good one, the first one? Okay, go for the first one. All right. So Track Daily Crush. Track Daily Crush. Um, I want to daily that NSX. That'd
0: be a cool daily.
1: I just want to daily that all the time. It's a fantastic car. It's got a great gearbox. It's actually surprisingly comfortable. I will daily the first-gen Acura NSX. Believe it or not, I think I will track the current-gen Civic Type R. Oh,
0: really? I thought you were going to swap And that with, oh. crush
1: the S2000, which I like and is very fun, but I actually bet you
0: that the Civic Type R is probably the better track car of the two. The Definitely. new one probably is. See that first gen NSX that keeps everything manual transmission. That way it's all true. Apples to apples. There you there. go. Okay. Mitchell Edwards on Facebook says, does it seem like the entry level GM products mm. were supposed to have hybrid options? The new tracks and trailblazer, along with their Buick versions seem weirdly underpowered, but don't get great gas mileage either.
1: <laughs> not enough power and not enough efficiency.
0: <laughs> and Yay. Good news. They're poorly built Where can I? Where do I sign up? (laughs) Mitchell understands the Chevys are built to a price point, but the Buick Encore can get up to $40,000 with only a 155 horsepower, 1.3 liter turbo that doesn't even get 30 miles to the gallon. Mm, It doesn't mm. make sense considering all of their RD spent on electrification. And it is that last sentence that kind of answers your question because they've got the GM Ultium platform that they've Mm -hmm. spent a lot of money on. So to now develop. Hybrids, whereas Toyota's gone the other way. You see they have they have really eased into things, especially with the first Prius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas GM has wanted to jump in so heavily, they've put all that R&D mm-hmm. into that Ultium platform over here. That means they need to start amortizing things, just yeah. like Mazda will yeah. soon need to start amortizing that inline-six. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, let's make the Cadillac Lyric and the new Blazer and the Blazer SS and the Buick mm-hmm. version. And what else can we stick that under? All the pickup trucks. Everything that you see electrified will be on the Ultium platform. You're right. You're right. Every one of them. The new Hummer. Well, just let's just double stack that thing.
1: <laughs> You're right. It's going to be all of it. There's also a second thing going on here that that. Look, I say this as a a person who grew up in a GM house. Yes, you did. We only drove GM products. <laughs> That's right. My dad is still in his 70s, clinging to. Maybe I should buy another GM. And and here's <laughs> thing. it's like this thing. way. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Over here are other cars. <laughs> other brands exist. Anyway, but but here's the thing I find really interesting about GM. They are a company who consistently makes some really superb stuff throughout their models at the top of their models.
0: Okay, I'll give that to you, yes. They do a really good
1: job. And and frankly, the Suburban and the Vet are two of the best things the the GM's made forever. But if you get a really well-tricked-out version of a GM product, generally they're pretty good. The problem is their entry-level stuff has almost always been terrible. Mm. Yeah. They take a platform. They make it in 16 variants and the upper two are good. And the bottom two are just, I am a person again, I grew up in this house. I am a person who only buys Chevy products and I need a new blank. And that's the one in my budget And because I have blinders on and didn't look anywhere else, I don't know that for the same amount of money I could get a, to your point, Mitchell, I could get a more affordable with better gas mileage version of the same kind of car I just bought. But I only buy GM. Those cars are the volume sellers for the people that only buy GM products. And that's sad because generally they're pretty bad. I know the terminology for this. But you get upper level and GM makes some really good stuff.
0: I have I have just settled on the terminology please. For, for this phenomenon, for this phenomenon. At GM, I love it, it is please. the Cadillac Cimarron effect. There you go. I you like it. You know exactly what I'm yes. talking about because they tried to make an entry level Cadillac. That's not what Cadillac means. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. about Cadillac should be yep. entry level. Don't do that. It's oh, it's the worst Chevy Cavalier <laughs> underneath. Don't do that. When you and I went
1: to our East Coast road trip, we drove all the way, 3,200 miles from here, Park City, Utah, we drove all the way to the Atlantic <laughs> to go to Philly to go to Radwood. Yeah. The morning we left our hotel for Radwood, because we pretty much fell into bed the night before we barely got there. The morning we're driving to Radwood, it was early. It was like 7 in the morning. You know, it's a Saturday, and there's yeah. very few people out. And we started to see, when we got within like three or four, actually more like 10 miles of the location, we started to be passed by other people yeah. in very nice red whatever cars. We finally decided, let's just follow those guys. Those are local guys. <laughs> exactly. They know where they they're They got going. Pennsylvania license plates. Yeah, And we ended up pulling up behind, I think, the last remaining showroom quality, cleanest I've ever seen Cadillac Cimarron. And I have to admit, when I got out, I just kind of stood by it like, this exists. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. But this
0: is the nicest one in the world. Hyperbaric chamber. I mean, talk about the speed of rust catching up with that thing. But I just kept Cry. thinking,
1: who has kept this this nice for this long and
0: for why? <laughs> Did they know Radwood was coming? And <laughs> More importantly, why? Yes. Mitchell, GM knows trucks. They know how to, how to build trucks. They've invested heavily in Ultium and where Mary Barra has said their future is going. But to back off of that, you've discovered this Cimarron effect. Well, mm. we gotta get the we gotta offer this this thing to the middle market. We gotta hit a price point, and mm-hmm. we don't quite have all the R and D because all the R and D and that budget got sucked up by the ultium pro- program. And so, what can we just do off the shelf real quick and call that together? And we'll call it a day. We'll just we'll just make that happen. Call it a day, and we'll modify that uh, that line to uh-huh. support that car, and we'll. You know, it can accept that tooling and, well, that line can't accept mm. the uh, the larger motor. So we're going to have to back off. So we'll just, we'll give it the lesser. <laughs> we'll <There's>,
1: decontent it <laughs> until it hits the price point.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot. That happens in any product. Sure. Of course it does. Yeah. But you can feel, you're, you're noticing the effects of the lack of R&D for that very thing. And the lack of, frankly, attention paid on that aero- a- area. And that's where Toyota swoops in, Honda, everybody else mm. going hybrids. Right. You know, that's our niche. Yeah.
1: Well, this is the other thing. I I want to make this clear as well, Mitchell, is that this is not a, a, GM is not alone in this. Now, GM has, has done this a lot, but car makers in general have done this for a long time. This is how you amortize stuff out. Frankly, the Japanese equivalent is Nissan. Okay. Yeah. where yeah. their upper level stuff is good and their base level where they're trying to make a profit and got to get down to an actual level of price point. Oh, we have you, to make a profit? You start You start to see their base models of things. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But this is a thing that car makers have done forever. Mm-hmm. GM, just because of their volume and how long they've been around, has
0: done it a lot. But again, you can buy the good one. The base one, you're kind of like, why is this not better? Right. But that's not going to happen to the C8. The, the E-Ray, there's too much attention paid to the halo car. Yeah, you're right. The most important car, one of the most important we, cars. We own Chevy the base C8. Yes. And it's very good. It's very good. Yes. So they're not going to let the E-Ray, that hybrid, fall off yeah, the, the grid, true. fall off the radar on that because of the the prominence that that mm-hmm. nameplate has. They can't. So there is R&D allocated yeah, to for that sure. one. For the ones that are halos, that yeah. for sure. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Write to us. You know where to get a hold of us. We love hearing from you guys all your Topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and your car conclusions too. We need to do, do another car conclusions. But yeah, we do. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate you sharing the podcast. And please rate and review our podcast mm-hmm. if it strikes you whenever you get a chance. You can do that on any of the the podcast platforms. We do like Spotify. We do like Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We like all the uh, the big names out there too. And Those uh, ratings are anywhere. why
1: we remain a top five automotive exactly podcast. Is right. because you guys are rating them and we really appreciate the ratings and it keeps the number of people that write to us and just go, I was looking for an automotive podcast. And so I just Googled and found you guys. That's a regular occurrence. So thank you guys for that.
0: Looking forward to next time as always. Cheers, everyone.